Hey, what's up, guys? It's the Vinny Rock Podcast. Today, I have me Brandon Lilly. Brandon Lilly is an accomplished uh, powerlifter. And if you guys don't know who he is, it's not hard to find out more about this guy. Just Google his name. You'll find all kinds of podcasts and everything. This dude is a monster. And the reason we became friends is because people kept tagging us together in pictures saying that we, they reminded us of each other. And so from there, I reached out and we became buddies. Um, incredible story, an incredible human being. I'm excited about this podcast. But first, you guys know we have some sponsors. You know, we have some sponsors. GMR Gold. GMR Gold is the, you can, you can get bullion box at 100 to 200 to $300 monthly. And you'll get silver and gold sent to your house. I'm telling you right now, there's no other better service than these guys. They, you can call them. You can ask questions. They'll answer. They will take the time to answer any of your questions. Uh, really good people who own the company. And I haven't had any problems with them at all since starting the services. And this is something that I really enjoy with my family, my kids. Um, next month, I'm excited to see what's coming in. But there's some cool stuff out there. You guys, if you're interested in gold and silver, if you're interested in another way of just putting money away so, so you can't spend it fast, you just get that gold and you get that silver and you put it in your savings and you enjoy while you while you have it, I promise you it's a really cool program. If you guys like it, check them out. If you guys are interested, ask, me, ask questions, gmrgold.com or bullionbox on Instagram. You guys check out GMR on Instagram as well. But it's gmrgold.com. Also, don't forget Core Medical Group. Core Medical Group is the testosterone replacement therapy for those who need it. Uh, a lot of veterans, you know, when I first linked up with these guys, a lot of veterans were getting tested for low T. And I said, you know what? This is something that help a lot of veterans. And I thought, let me jump on this myself and see how it works. And I was super happy with it. Still am super happy with it. I continue to use it. I, I, I plan to use this for the rest of my life because I have to. And it's good for morale. It's good for all kinds of different things. And I want you guys to know, Core Medical Group has been, hands down, one of the best companies I've ever worked with. They are just genuinely good people. If you guys have questions about testosterone replacement therapy, if you got questions about getting your blood work done, hit me up or hit them up on Instagram. Also, Beyond Clothing. Beyond Clothing is your expeditionary, expeditionary outdoor clothing. Uh, they have jackets, long sleeves, short sleeves, pants, all kinds of things you can think of. This is one of the the best hands-down quality gear that you can find out there on the market. I love them. You guys check them out, beyondclothing.com, incredible company, the people who run it. it I mean, you guys, you guys here is the same exact people. I use them because they're good people. Like all the people that I have as sponsors are good people. It's, it's kind of a, you know, it, it's a, it seems like a theme here. Like, like Willie Peach Chocolates, good people. Willie Peach Chocolates makes chocolates out of his own house. This guy is a veteran, who, veteran business right here who makes chocolates from all different Skullville units. I'm talking from spicy to not spicy, with jalapenos, with, with, with habaneros, all kinds of different spices, different Skullville units. You check them out. It's a very interesting deal, and people love them. Check them out. Metal Force Fit is shakers, shakers for your fitness. Uh, I'm going to make some posts here soon about it, but I need to get some more because, you know, sometimes you leave a protein shake in there a little too long and it gets funky. I just throw those out. So uh, they're blender bottles. They're, they're a very quality bottle, and uh, you guys will love them. Check them out. Again, veteran-owned. Uh, 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 uh. I have another sponsor. Uh, Temple 57. Temple 57 is a contracting company. You know, they do security work. Um, I would rather you guys call and get any information that you think you need um, for anything that comes from work in the contracting space in the California from protection and everything else. If you guys are interested, give them a call. Uh, they can help you out. They're looking for hiring some veterans right now. Check it out. You guys know what to do. This podcast today is a really good one. I, I just love Brandon Lilly and his message and what he does and, and where he's gone from. Um, we, we have similarities in our lives. So check it out. Welcome to the Vayner Rock Podcast. Hey, 
We're recording. Hey, what's up, guys? It's been a rock podcast. I'm here right now with Brandon and Lily. And um, if you guys don't know who he is, which I'm pretty sure my whole circle of friends and people know who you are because multiple different things. I was getting tagged on, on a lot of your picks because people like, I thought this was you. I thought it was like, I wish that was me. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, I'm glad you say that because if you ever need a body double or anything like yeah. that, you just, you just call me. <laughs> especially, especially if they get shot in the lower left, you know, yeah. the leg or something. Because I got a little pimp limp going on. So <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a, uh, I need to get a little bit big before I start calling you in. Uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever you need, man. Whatever you need. <laughs> well, dude, man, it's been cool to watch a lot of. I've been following you on social media for years now. And uh, never reached out, just kind of been watching. I reached out one time because I saw I saw a big man jogging, bro. I saw you running, and I was like, dude, this guy knows my world right now of being a big dude and trying to get the miles in. Yeah, man, it was – dude, that was such a uh, – it was a transformative time, I guess, is the best way to put it because after my injury, if, if people don't know who I am, I, I was a power lifter for a while, uh, 20 years. I mean, it's a pretty good long while. But all the you know all that time I was doing different things. I was growing business and um, coaching. I was still working a full time job. You know anything I could do to just kind of make ends meet, I was doing it. Chopping firewood, cleaning cars, and things started to go really well on a competition front. I had a pretty terrible injury in a competition at the at the Staples Centers in L.A. And from there on, you know, it just became this this kind of a fight to get back to where I was and looking at the guys now, I mean, you, I was one of the top lifters in my moment, but it was, uh, it just became more and more realistic to me that I was never going to be at 80% what these guys were doing at a hundred percent. You yeah. know, I was, I was never a guy that it was just completely easy for. I had to work very, very hard, um, to get to the level that I did. And I'm very proud of that but I was just trying to reconcile what I wanted to do as far as lifting, as far as training, as far as improvement. And, um, you know, for me, it was just, it was a way to start going in a different direction. I tried to run right off the jump, couldn't do it. So I, I rode and I rode and I rode and I ended up doing a hundred thousand meter row in a day. And I was doing anywhere from half marathons three times a week to a marathon once or twice a week with shortened intervals as well. And once I kind of built the lung capacity and just the work capacity to be mobile and, and moving for two to three hours at a time, the runs didn't seem so bad. Yeah. So I tell a lot of bigger guys, you know, if you, you got to kind of walk before you run and run before, or, you know, yeah. however that saying goes, <laughs> crawl before you walk, walk before you run. Well, it was row before I run. And um, once I finally got to the meat and bones of running, I enjoyed it in a way that I didn't really understand because all my world for 20 years as far as lifting was just as hard as I can go for one or two seconds, lift as much weight as possible to this kind of almost meditative rhythm of like, you know, you got to pace yeah. yourself for two hours. Well, let me know this. You have, you have records, right? Don't you have records? I mean, you know, you've lifted extreme amount of weight and maybe not records, but your personal best. I was listening the other day on another podcast. I mean, you're squatting high numbers, bench yeah. 600, yeah, you know, at the time, um, my numbers were, were federation records. They were records um, within specific groups, weight class, et cetera. And then um, the around the time of my injury is when – so my best total was 2237. That was an 843 squat, a 579 bench, and an 810 deadlift in competition. My, my best lifts were 848, 602 – and 840 in the in the three lifts as a maximum and that's yeah. raw with the belt and knee wraps i did more than that in multiply gear but yeah. um the gear is a little bit supportive so yeah i mean as far as ranking the three or four years that i was at my best um i was ranked in the top we'll just say this i was ranked in the top two or three in multiple divisions um i've always been a strong guy i guess in my competition arena because when I was 19 years old at 219 pounds, um, I was squatting and pulling over 600. I was benching over 400, but you contrast that with it 16 when I tried to squat 135 for the first time and literally fell straight to the ground. Yeah. There's a, there's a repetition here of falling to the ground with squats <laughs> on my back. So I've always been good at doing that, but, um, no, man, it's, it's, it's really cool because 
lifting weights, there's immediate feedback loop. You know, if you pick something up, it's, it's a positive. If you, if you miss something, it's a learning point. Yeah. And that's really what I've used to kind of guide myself in life and in business. It's like, you know, if something's not working and you keep getting the same result, it's probably not going to work the next time around you try it too. And yeah. as a man, it took me a long time to learn that lesson, but as a lifter and a business person, I quickly adapted. But as a man, I think I had too much pride a lot of times. I wanted to just keep bowling through and that ended up being the worst thing in the world for me because sometimes in the gym, I did learn that I could bowl through, you yeah. know, but as a man, you've got to be just, you've got to be kind of like that, that Bruce Lee video where he talks about being like water. Sometimes you've got to be hard. <laughs> you got to be soft. So I'm very much learning to be soft and, um, you know, loving and caring and just a whole different outlook on life now. Yeah. Well, here's something I want to ask you. Someone who's their whole life has been, um, a look, you wake up in the morning and you look, I, I mean, I immediately wake up in the morning and look at myself in the mirror and fucking hate myself. Right. Like, right. This, this, yep. but I've done this my whole life. I, 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 yep. I track it all the way down to, I remember my mother at a young age was showing me, um, some bodybuilders like Vinny, you can do this. You can do this. And, and, yeah. and, and me wanting to please my mom, I started lifting weights. Right. And then it continued that way. Now I'm blaming her for it. Like she, she knew I was always athletic and trying to do weird shit. So that was like a cool <laughs> outlet for me, but I really fell in love with bodybuilding. Uh, never bodybuilded, but I like to lift weights, but I, I did fall in love with bodybuilding and, and the culture of it and everything. But in doing that, I, I, I really hated the way I looked and I still to this day cannot stand what I look like. Even when I'm in shape, when yeah. I'm in shape, I don't even notice it. I'm like, Oh dude, right. terrible, terrible. And then right now I'm in really bad shape compared to what I was uh, three years ago. Now I'm like, I fucking wish I, I was, was that guy, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and I'm wondering for you, do you still struggle with that as being, because when you're a big guy sometimes and you lose weight, you get guys coming up to you and be like, bro, you're looking small, you know, and that's to your taste the fuck out of me, right? Because I used to be, yeah. you know, I would walk around 280, you know, right yeah. now I'm in the 260. I would love to be down at 240. I just don't yep. know personally, um, emotionally, I can deal with being 240 because I like being able to bench 400. You know? yeah. And I don't think I can at 240 the way it was at 280, I was like, Oh, I got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, how do you deal with that, man? How do you personally? So that's a long, that's a long answer. So I'll try to condense it down. But for me, when I look at things and people ask me all the time, you know, I tell people, or I used to tell people, I left the sport of powerlifting with two goals on the table. And that was a 400 kilo deadlift, 881 and a 2300 pound total. But the truth of the matter is, those numbers seemed impossible when I started. So I didn't even set those as my original goals. My original goals were a 2000 pound total an 800 deadlift and a 550 bench and so on. But as we get better, we start to have this sliding scale, right? Like, Oh, well I've made, you know, I mean, I'm just throwing this number out there as a, as a goal point, but like, let's say somebody makes a million dollars. They're not just going to walk away and retire and say, Oh, made a million dollars. I'm done. Right. Because the first dollar you spend, you're no longer a millionaire. Yeah. Like it, you may be wealthy, but you're no longer a millionaire if you stop at a million bucks. So what happens is, okay, well, I got to one. Can I get to five? Okay. I got to five. Can I get to 10? Yeah. And that's the same way it is for powerlifting. It's like, there's always going to be more. You can always slide a little bit more weight on the bar. So when I really started kind of getting low, I know exactly what you're talking about because as men who are strong, as men who are, you know, uh, proud, I would say yeah. our body is a part is definitely a visible part of who we are. And, um, I think that we want to be this all encompassing, and I can't say warrior in this, in this modern mentality of, of society right now, because warriors are reserved for guys like yourself that did, you know, that, that were military and, um, guys that were willing to put themselves on the line, whether they went to battle or not, those are the guys I reserve that kind of terminology for. So for me, I just want to be a capable human. I just want to be a capable man. And if that means learning how to start fires and build a camp and do these kind of things, so be it. Like that satisfies something within inside me that I don't really know why it satisfies it, but it does. Right. Um, so I get it on my own, on my own level now where I'm pretty adept uh, at taking care of myself, but I still challenge myself to do more still like, man, I have so much to learn on and on and on, like, especially when you're around a guy like Rudy Reyes or, yeah. you know, Brady Cervantes. Um, but those guys become measuring sticks in a positive way now. So to get back to your point about feeling, 
when I fell, I was 335 pounds and, um, ultimately got up to like 340 pounds. And when I was 340, I, I felt like I wasn't a horrible 340, but I was huge. I mean, I was a very, very large human being. And, um, that allowed me to bench 600. It allowed me to pull over 840 or right at 840 and squat, um, in the eight hundreds. And I was like, somebody asked me very recently, like, would, would you like to pull 900? And I was like, well, if I could walk over here, maintain my life structure as it is, yeah, feel great every day, be able to spend time with my family and my friends, go to a concert every week, you know, be able to do all these things. I would love to walk over there and pull 900 pounds. But at the point of 20 years, fully invested, messing up relationships, breaking friendships, um, being, being isolated because of my sport, that 900 pounds doesn't look so appealing to me, yeah. right now, you know? Yeah. So to get back to the, to the, the meat and potatoes of this answer, I am a big guy still. Like I am a big guy. Um, I've trimmed way down. I'm in the two seventies, two eighty range right now. So I'm a little bit heavier than you are, but I was three forty. So yes, when I, when I started losing weight, um, man, you look smaller, man. Are you, you okay? You sick, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually at some point it got to the point where it was like, man, you look great. Like you're good. Yeah. Dude, you, look, you look awesome. Like, holy shit. You're look at those clothes. And it's not the clothes that make the man, but it's the confidence to know that, okay, this, it's kind of like when a woman's growing her hair out, there's yeah. that weird intermittent stage. And that's probably where you're at right now is like, if I could just get like 10 pounds better, 15 pounds better, dude, all this would go away because then you're trading this desire for more weight on the bar for, okay, my girl's looking at me a little different. My friends are looking at me a little different, man. This shirt looks good as hell. So when you get these positive reinforcements, I think you just kind of have to run with them. And as a man, it's very hard to, in this society, you know, boast that you feel good or boast that you look good because then you're just that stereotypical male, right? Yeah, then you, then you get struck getting labeled as a douchebag and just post a picture of your abs, right? But you're like, hey, exactly. man, hey, I'm kind of proud of these abs. <laughs> but the question I ask right now, you know, and I'm, I'm actually in the middle of doing something for Summer Strong, uh, for Sornex. We're about a month away from Sornex, Summer Strong, and that's one of our flagship events. And, man, this, this whole entire, from Thanksgiving to Christmas to my birthday in March to till now, like, I've just really been – invested in my friendships and my life and traveling. So when I'm out and I'm, you know, on the road or whatever, I know that dinner's going to be something popping, you know, as it is too, yeah. like that's where, that's where a lot of business happens. That's where a lot of like real important stuff happens is dinner. So I kind of intermittent fast in the morning. Um, I usually start with eggs and fruit, set very simple breakfast, eat something around two or three. And then I just, just kind of save all my calories for, for the dinner and it's not ideal, and I'm a little bit uh, further away from where I'd like to be than I than I should be. But going into Summer Strong, I gave myself a month to lose 10 pounds. If I lose 10 pounds the right way, working hard every day, following my diet, I know that that 10 pounds is going to look more like I lost 15 or maybe 18 pounds. So, Because I know my body and I know how I adjust. But it's also, I want to be a little bit better all the time. But at the same time, I would not trade abs for the fun that I've had in the last six or eight months. So I think it just comes down to that, man. Just, yeah, it's hard. It's definitely hard to, to know that I can at one point in my life, lay down and bench 600 without question to be able to squat seven, 800 pounds without question. And now sometimes it's like, man, I question even standing up out of a chair if this knee's going to hold, but it's actually doing pretty good. So, you know, I just, um, I try not to let, what the world sees me as impact me as much as I really see myself as. And if I can get honest, like, man, I loved the last six to eight months of my life. Like I loved every second of it. I've wrung every single bit of good out of it. Is that worth trading for abs? Maybe, maybe down the road, but, and I can't, and I can't, and I, you know, from a point standpoint of just fatigue and, and everything like the last six months have been brutally, fast paced, but they've also been some of the best days of my life. So I think you're always going to be this ebb and flow of, okay, I look good now, but man, Christmas is coming. Thanksgiving's coming. I got to enjoy myself a little bit and you deserve it, dude. Like all the good shit that you've got going on right now and all the hard shit that you've been through. Enjoy those Twinkies. Enjoy that pie. Well, enjoy it's, it. It's, but it can't be forever. You know, you know how tough it is. Like 
you know, it's funny being in social media and being right. Like just being a face in social media, it's, it's hard to call yourself an influencer. It's hard to call yourself anything other than just like, just a dude on social media with a lot of followers. Yep. Everybody calls out every little thing, you know? Yep. And not even that, like understand my background is very similar to, to what you have too. It's like, you have a very notable background and, and, a and, and has established yourself in the fitness world. Well, I on the military side was special operations, then was right. a field sergeant, then was special operations in the border patrol. Everything I've done was a special operations world. So I've always been a very physically fit person. And then getting out of the, of, of the military was hard, but I figured it out right away. I got yeah. back into lifting and I just got back into it. I started competing and uh, doing triathlons and all this stuff. And then I got out of the border patrol and that was the beginning of like all the issues I've had, like weight issues. Cause do you feel like board, you got, do you feel like you got lost without that structure? A hundred percent. I knew I was training for a mission, right? In your head, it's like, I have to be good for my guys to the left and right of me. And so yeah. that's a lot of motivation. And then when you don't have that anymore, well, it's like, well, I just got to be home for my kids. <laughs> you know right. I mean? And then it got really easy to just like get comfortable with not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, as I started getting lifting, started lifting again, I'm not sure if you know this story, but I started getting back into shape and everything was good. This is about three years ago now. Yeah. Um, started leaning down again. I started running again and I was really happy with the way my body was looking. Um, I was actually just met my lady, right? Just met my wife. And so I'm like really working hard to try and look good for her. Yeah. You know? And then my heart went out, dude. I had a, it went out of rhythm. I have a, I'm, I'm considered now, um, AFib. Yep. So, so it went out of rhythm when got restarted cardio version, everything you could think of, man. And uh, I was in the hospital for like four days and that was like the downfall of emotionally being so scared to do that again. Yep. And so it took about a year and a half for me to, to have the confidence in, in working out again, the way I used to. Yeah. And then boom, it did it again. Yep. And so now we're, we're at the probably one year mark from the last time I've been restarted, maybe even a little less than that. And, um, and it's, I just started working out again. I started like, I'm like, all right, diet first, get the diet right. And, and, and everything kind of follows. So once I get my diet right, usually five pounds just starts to fall right off. Yeah, yeah. It gets about probably 10 pounds will come off. And then from there, it's like, all right, now start working. Yep. And, and it's always discouraging to think if I start again, that moment was right before they, 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 they shocked me is the scariest moments of my life. Right. Because it's like, a very small chance I might not wake up. And then I'm like, well, then I started thinking like, what brought me to this point? And, and it's always, an, it's a, it's a, it's an imbalance of minerals in my body that throw my heart off is what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I did. I, I get it because, so I've had 16 surgeries on my left knee and I don't, I, it just seems like a blur, but I, I want to say that there were nine of those surgeries that were for infection and seven were corrective, you know, like they were actually doing repair because when you have an infection, this is what I didn't understand for a long time. I would know that there was, there was probably something wrong with my knee. Like, okay, something doesn't feel right. It clicks when I step, it, it's not straightening out, blah, blah, blah. So that was the, like when I would go into surgery, they'd be like, okay, you, you've got an infection and um, we're going to, we're going to fix your knee. And I was like, great, while you're in there, can you do this? And they're like, no, we don't touch anything else but the infection because then we can aggravate and cause more infection. It didn't make sense to me, pissed me off, frust frustrated me to no end. But every single time that I got an infection, it was on the heels of, so to back up, for me, where I was as a man, I was so invested in this sport and I had, I had just this trail of destruction in my life where I just, you know, hurt people and left people and all this kind of stuff to, to better myself as a, as an athlete. Um, I thought at some point if I lifted enough weight or, you know, got enough recognition, cause there's really not money in the sport. There's money peripheral to it through coaching and things like that. But I thought if I achieved success in a relative term that everybody would be like, it makes sense now. Now I see why he was an asshole. Now I see why he didn't come home on Thanksgiving, you know, to see his yeah. family, blah, blah, blah. There's never going to be a day where that makes sense to anybody, by the way. Yeah. Um, it does to us. It does, yeah, to, it us. does to us. Right. Well, we justify it, right? Right. All right. So, so anyhow, um, every single time that I would get to the point of where for me, I was rehabbed, which meant lifting big weight again, I could do that for a month, maybe six weeks. And then my knee would get infected. And the doctor literally told me one of the last surgeries, maybe number 12 or 13, he said, 
I've never seen a guy want it as much as you want it. But every time that you get to the point where you're actualizing what you want, your body's going to fail you. Your body is going to turn on you and say, we can't do this anymore. So you talk, (laughs) so you talk about an alienation, not only from my body to my mind, like I hated my body. Like I was mad at my physical body because it's like, you're failing me in my mind. I did the hard part. That's the part that everybody struggles with is the mind part. Like getting under this weight again and again, shit, dude, let's go. Like I'm ready. My body just wouldn't do it. And so the doctor started talking to me a little more psychological and he was like, you have to, you have to slow this down. And you think you're tough now with your mindset. He said, how tough are you going to be to build your body back the right way? Not the way that you know how, but the right way. Healthier way. Exactly. So around that 13th, 14th surgery. um, And again, I had, I had several surgeries in close proximity. So when I say surgery 11 and 12, that might be one, one set of surgeries within a four week period. Yeah. Um, a lot of my surgeries were like double taps. Like, you know, they'll do one, they'll get me healed and settled and then I'll go right back in. So around the 13th, 14th surgery, I had the option to, um, to go into the, to the hospital. My knee was huge and I was kind of joking with the doctor. I said, Hey doc, here to fix me up again. And he said, no, Brandon, I'm here to save your life. He said, if you wake up without your leg, I saved your life. And, um, I, I had laid on the couch for two days, cold shaking, um, cellulitis in the lower part of my leg. I knew what it was, but I didn't want to admit it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to will my way through this fever and you could have killed yourself. Exactly. Well, I almost did. I mean, yeah. honestly, and that's the doctor even got emotional with me a little bit. And yeah. he's a, uh, he's a guy that, is the the lead sports surgeon for many of the sec football teams. And he was like, kid, I wish that I could fix you in a way that would fix you, but you're going to have to fix yourself. Like it was, it was hard because this is a hardened dude. This is a guy that works on million dollar knees, guys that are much faster, stronger, going to make more money than I ever will. And he's just looking at me like, he felt like he was part of the problem because he would put me back together. And then I would just go break myself down again. So, it just became, yeah, dude, I, I think it's been one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life is to really find a way to let my body and my mind jive again, you know? And the only thing that ever brought that peace for me was the hiking and the getting outside and camping yeah. and um, pushing myself in ways that I, that I can't with a barbell anymore. I mean, I, I, people ask me all the time, why don't you post your workouts? Why don't you post your bo- workouts? One I'm totally okay with what I do in the gym. I love it. Like I do Tabatas, I do kettlebell work, I do yoga. I mean, I do all kinds of stuff that people classify as feminine or girly, yeah. but I do it in a way that it, it works for me and it makes me happy. But the same thing is when I post that video, I have to answer the same questions over and over and over. And I'm just tired of, of answering questions about choices that are positive for my life. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, I'm not drinking as much anymore. Like I'm not, smoking weed like I was anymore. I'm not doing these things, not saying that there's anything wrong with them, but when they become a bandaid rather than a part of the solution, that's a real problem. And I was a bandaid guy like, Oh, I can't sleep. So here, have that, have that double bourbon. Oh, that's not enough. Have another double bourbon. You know, it's crazy how people through social media or, or however it is just through a following feel that they, their opinion matters. And it yeah. drives me nuts sometimes. Cause one guy was like, you like uh, pineapples on your pizza? I was like, sometimes. Are you kidding me? I'm like, motherfucker, I eat the pizza however the fuck I want. Like, what the fuck? When when did that become a thing? Like, (laughs) this anti-pineapple movement. I mean, I get it. (laughs) The wrong way, but you know what? The first time I ever had that, um, I was at my friend's house, and I thought, okay, this this is kind of crazy. This is kind of out there. It was literally one of the best nights of my life. It was one of the best pizzas of my life. And it's like, if I'm, I'm, I'm on such a level now, dude. And, and I don't mean that like in above or below. I'm just saying I'm in a mind state right now. If something makes you happy and it, it doesn't bother me, I want to learn about it because it might make me better. Like yeah. all these people that are out there saying that, that it's no good. It's no good. I wonder if they even tried it. Bro, you know? that's, it's the funny thing to me is like, I don't, I, I just tell this guy like, bro, I'm a grown man. I make my decisions. I did. I cried during movies more than my fucking wife probably does. Like, I don't give a fuck what anyway. There's no shell that I fit into that yeah. when people, people try and throw these things at me, like, Oh, that's not what Rangers do. Like, what do you know what a Ranger does, bro? Yeah. Like, 
it's another human being. I do whatever the fuck I want, man. Well, I think it's hard, you know, because I followed you too, and I, you know, I think it's hard for people to in this hyper like labeled society. Yeah. You know, we we have feminists, and yeah. then we have feminists that look down on those feminists and then there's feminists that look, you know what i mean it's like yeah. we're, we're this we're fighting for the same things but we're yeah. arguing with each other so i think in a world where we like try to okay brandon lily is like these group of guys so that's who i'm going to identify him as and when you're one of these people that you can't really box in i think it causes problems not only for the people that receive you but also it can be like turmoil for yourself because it's like I'm always one step behind in actuality of what I want to be doing. Yeah. So like, you know, we're talking about my hats. Like I've got some really awesome hats, dude. I want one that's fucking this big and got car horns on it. Christmas. Like, dude, I want the biggest flashiest hat in the world, but it's like, I'm not there yet. So I'm kind of in my, in my motivation. Oh, your, hat, your, your hat guy hadn't called me yet. Just so you know. uh, okay, I'll make sure he does. Actually, I'll text him right now just so you can see. Yeah, because if you guys don't know, Brandon has this dope hat. And I said, bro, like, I don't want to copy your style because your style is your style. But the hat, the the authentic looking, rustic look, I want a cowboy hat like that so fucking bad. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's why I hit you up, man. Oh, I'm texting him right now. <laughs> but bro, that's um, – so – my guy is a uh, gunner Fox and um, he makes a lot of hats for a lot of people. Um, I just texted him literally. Cool. Um, oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where my profile went, where you are, but um, good. there we go. Yeah. I texted him, but he, um, he got slammed with some business because we were talking about getting down to see him and he's like, I just got the, the crazy order. So probably some kind of movie or something. I'm sure you yeah. guys will cross paths in, in some way, shape or form. I'm sure. Um, he makes a lot of hats for uh, like Jason Momoa, Zach Brown. Um, he just did uh, what's his name, Jordan DeAndre Jordan for the Rockets. Yeah, he flew, he flew uh, Gunner down there to, to outfit some of the guys on the team. I just told my wife that's what I want for my birthday. That's what I Hell want. Yeah, I want well, I'll make sure, I'll make sure it happens because um, my brother hope he doesn't hear this, but um, we've organized to get him one for his birthday that's too. Cool. So yeah, and my brother. The cool thing about my brother. So I've got two brothers. There's me, who, who whatever you want to call that, and then uh, I got another brother who is gay, and um, he's very just put together, got a style, and uh, just a super good heart. And then you've got my other brother who's like Andy Griffith, you know, like <laughs> pants pull, pulled up to his waist. He's got Every, the guy that wears the the white shoes with the white socks, Dad. You're like, yo, <laughs> yeah. But in the last, but see, part of the part of my deal coming back with my family and kind of reuniting and fixing those relationships, um, I learned that my brother Corey, um, he he owns his own business. He's got a lot of great stuff going on. He's like, man, I didn't even know who you were, like. Cause it, we're 10 years apart. They're twins and yeah. they're 10 years, they're 10 years younger. So, you know, when they're eight years old, I'm 18. So we never yeah. really had that clicking relationship. So coming back around, um, we've got this relationship going on. We're traveling together. We're seeing shows together. We're doing all kinds of stuff. And dude, I've seen him loosen up, like just kind of let go a little bit. And he picked up one of my, my first hats I ever got. And he was like, I like this one. I was like, well, wear it. So he wore it out, dude. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that he wore it out. And um, just to see that if I can change in, in this circle of my family, like my dad is lightened up. My mom is more open and it's all, and it's not me. It's, but it's me being here. It's me being a part of it. Yeah. Right. And I'm a person who likes to push the envelope. My family is very conservative. Yeah. So when I nudge them into a different restaurant than they're normally used to going to, or I bring them to a show that they would never go to, or we go on a vacation to like Salt Lake city. I brought everybody out to Salt Lake. Seven of the 11 people had never been on a plane, but a plane is a very common thing for me. Like I'm zigzagging yeah. the country, the world. So by sprinkling that little bit of myself into their life, I feel like their lives have gotten better. But at the same time, I don't need to go to a five-star restaurant because my mom's cooking. Like I ain't got to go nowhere else. Mom's throwing yeah. down over dinner. So I think that when we sit here and we try to talk about changing ourselves and changing the world and this, that, and the other, I really, really have dwindled it down to the belief that changing yourself is paramount, not, not to make me better or brighter or whatever, but to know who I am. That's how I want to change. I don't want to be a bullshit artist. I don't want to be a person that says, 
you know, I'm Brandon Lilly, this power lifter, this, 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 I'm Brandon Lilly. Take me as I am. That's yep. what I want to get to. And if I can love myself enough for who I am and what I am and understand that, you know what, the last six months, I ate too much pizza or drank too much beer or had too much fun. That's okay. Because I know within myself, the next six months I'm going to grind. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm allowed to have that back and forth and that trickles down to my family. Like my family has been so like, if you listen to podcast five years ago, I never talked about my family. I never mentioned them because I was distanced. I was just a total alienation, but now three, four nights a week, especially when I'm home, dude, it's, it's as good as it gets to be around them and do stuff with them. You know, you're from Kentucky, right? Yep. I'm from Kentucky. I've lived in Ohio. I've lived a little bit here and there. Um, California was a flirtation for a little while uh, to live there. But I just felt like in so many ways I needed to get back to the point of, you know, ground zero of my life, so to Are say. Are you living in Kentucky again? Yeah, I live in Kentucky. Um, what city? What area? <laughs> so truth be told, it's called Paint Lick. It's a little bitty town. <clears throat> More people would know Berea. It's a small college town, but just to the average listener that's listening, uh, Lexington, I'm right in the heartbeat of Kentucky. I'm smack in the middle. Um, but there's been so much good here because there is so much outdoors, not like what you guys have out in Utah. I mean, you guys no, have hot. I'm, I'm going to trip you out though. I, so yeah. I played baseball in Kentucky. I lived in Owensboro, Kentucky for about. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, bro. I love no, Owensboro. I fell in love with Kentucky and actually that's where I played. I played a lot of ball out there and, I, it's the first time I got out of LA yeah. and really got to somewhere that was different. Um, yep. I was different there. I was a Hispanic man that spoke just normal, like from LA that wasn't like a, yeah. a migrant worker. So I was different to everyone. They're like, look at this. Yep. Who the fuck is he? You know, um, everyone was super yeah. kind and, and, and the, the hospitality and everything. It was just like that, that country, that country, love was beautiful out there too. And I fell in love with Kentucky. I actually told myself I was going to move back there one day and I never did because I ended up finding other cities like, like Utah, right? Like Utah to me is a very, very similar. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, man, I love Kentucky, man. I, I used to, I used to go to, go to some of the games. I went to, uh, I went to the Derby, you know, I, I've done the yeah, yeah. Derby. I've done the, you know, I've gone to Louisville games, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I lived in Ellensboro for a while, man. Dude, I, you know, there's something so good about what you're talking about. And like, it's real easy to get drawn into the flashing lights of a big city and things like that. And don't get me wrong, dude, when I'm in a city, like I was just in Atlanta for the weekend. Love Atlanta. Like anybody that's hating on Atlanta, you don't know where to go because that is one of my top favorite cities in the world, especially right now in the spring when it's still cool down there. Dude, yeah. it's amazing. Before it gets humid. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but Kentucky, man, it's just got so much good stuff going on that, I mean, I'm, a, I'm two hours from anything that I want to do, yeah. you know, two hours from uh, Red River Gorge, two hours from the, from Mammoth Cave. I'm two hours from, well, I'm an hour and a half from Louisville. I'm an hour from Lexington, which is like a smaller Louisville that's growing into its yeah, own. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just, dude, I'd love to have you out here. Seriously. I'd love to have you out here. And, well, um, Anytime, man. I would love to. Um, I actually went to drill sergeant school at, at Fort Knox. Yeah, I was just at um, – what's the other – Fort Campbell. I was just at Fort yeah. Campbell not too long ago. And um, I've been to Fort Knox when I was younger. I haven't been an adult. But I've got some some invites from some guys that train there or, or station there. And um, that's, always, that's always such a cool thing to get to connect with those guys and share myself. Dude, I used to – I used to think, man, I just want to get out of Kentucky. I just want to get out of here. And I needed to, like, I needed to get out to realize that any place you are and who you are is exactly what you make it. Yeah. You know, and I was always chasing money. I was always chasing notoriety. I was always chasing all these other things. But at now as a person that's just chasing peace of mind, happiness, yeah. contentment, Kentucky is exactly what I'm looking for. So I don't, I don't try to dissuade anybody from leaving. Like, if you got to go, go, Yeah. But keep, but keep your eye on the fact that you can always come back too. you know? Yeah. It's crazy, man. So I, I, I used to travel playing baseball at a young age. And the first, first time I went to Kentucky was on a travel team and it was, I was about 16, 17 years old. And the first time I ever heard country music was, was then. And the first song I heard was Tim McGraw's don't take the girl. Yeah. 
dude. And that right there changed it. I came back home listening to country music, and people were like tripped out. They're like, dude, what are you listening to? Because everyone listens to Tupac and all the <laughs> East Coast West Coast stuff, and I'm listening to to, to country music. And, and still to this day, I'm a, I'm a diehard country fan. I love country music, and and everyone trips out when they get in my car. It's country music first. That I have. Yep. All my hip hop, I love it all, all the time. But like country music for me is something I like to raise my kids on as well. I feel like it's a little bit more wholesome than, than, than what you're going to hear on the radio and other stations, you know? And so yeah. that's what well, we, you know, dude, I, I respect that a lot because I, for the first few years of my life, um, or not for the first few years of my son's life, you know, it was, I was very much about myself. Like I was very much, okay, this is a song I want to listen to. So that's what we're going to listen to. And now it's like, man, I'm responsible for this kid. Like yeah. I don't want to be, and I, and I'm, listen, I'm not knocking anybody out there doing anything that you're doing. I'm talking about for my life and my son, <clears throat> just sitting here thinking, all right. So he, he went to middle school this year. Yeah. Um, Dude, that's a whole new wave of, of language, oh, bro. a whole new wave of ideas. It's a whole new wave of reality for him. Uh-huh. And it's not like I'm trying to pull him back, but it's like I'm trying to counter all this this negative. Because, dude, school is, is one thing, but, like, middle school is hard. I'm telling bro, you. Middle that's, I have two right now, and I'm telling you, my son, my 11-year-old son. My he's son's going, 11. Yeah. He's going through hell, dude. He's going through hell. And I keep saying that, bro. You got to, because he's getting bullied, but also the girls things is awkward. And, and, and for my son to get bullied, it's hard for me because I'm a fighter my whole life. And I'm like, bro, yep. I to do in the fucking face. I <laughs> and he's yep. like, no, nah, dad. And it's not him. And I, and I get it. So I'm like, it's cool. Yep. Tell me. He goes, no, dad, I don't want you to handle it. I'm like, all right, well, then tell someone, like, do something, bro. And it yep. is a hard time for him, man, because he also is socially awkward. He eats alone. He doesn't have a lot of friends. He, yep. he, you know, his style is different. His mind is different. And, and I love him for it, but, yeah. uh, but I'm so, I don't want him to be emotionally ruined because of these kids, you know, it's a hard time, right? Well, you know, I think for me, gosh, I'm 37. So it's like, I only feel like I got my feet under me for the last five or six years. You know, I don't want my kid to go through 32, 34 years where he doesn't feel comfortable with who he is and know who he is and yeah. have this. So there's a part of me that's like, man, I wish that he was a little more like me, but then I look at myself and it's like, damn, if he's just like me, it's going to be hard. Like, yeah. you know, it's going to be a hard road. And, um, I wish that, I, I mean, I admire him so much because he's one of these kids that gets the kindness award. He gets like the, the good neighbor award and stuff like that. And that was shit that I made fun of when I was in school. Um, but at the same time, like who he is now, yeah, it may cause him a little bit of grief at school, but the saving grace for him is he's a good football player. He's a good baseball player. So he kind of bypassed some of that sixth grade hazing a little bit yeah. because he was, he was playing. Um, so he's got that side to him and I've started to see that fire come out a little more and more, Yeah. but man, if his heart stays happy and his heart stays light, cause dude, I'm a guy that can get dark real, real quick. Not like in a, in a violent, bad way. Like I'm, I've been violent and I've been bad, but like, I can really get introverted real quick, you know, yeah. and I don't want him to be like that. I don't want him to ever feel alone. I don't ever want him to feel like locking himself in his room is better than being outside, you yeah. know? And for me, that was, that was a lot of who I was in my teenage years. Cause I was just mad at the world. I don't even yeah. know why I was mad, but I was mad at everybody. Yeah. And, um, to see him at 11 years old, his, like one of the first questions he asked me when he, when he comes to me, he's like, dad, how was your day? I never like 37 years old. I didn't ask my dad that to like 36. You know what I mean? But he's got a good heart and kid talks about his day. Kid talks about everything. And I'm learning a lot about life through him, which is freaking crazy. dude. Yeah, man. So, so I have six, I have four that I have full custody of. And my wife, my wife has her two, but I've been raising them all. You know what yeah. I mean? So they're with us full time. And it's, it, it's, it's, I've always said from the beginning, my kids are what's given me life. You know what I mean? My, my daughter, I joined the military because after baseball didn't work out in Kentucky, I tried out for a couple independent teams. I tried out for the Evansville Otters. I got cut. I tried out for several Louisville bats. I got cut all these, all these different teams. And, um, I ended up just joining the military to, to be able to support her financially. But then in that, while I was doing that, I was making the decisions like you and lifting, you focus so much on it. Like everyone around you was just didn't give a shit. 
I did yeah. the same thing for fucking many, many years, dude. And many yeah. years of like, fuck everybody. If I bring home the check, I'm doing my job as a dad. I got to yep. go do my job. You know what I mean? And so yep. I was more interested in kicking in the door or, or protecting my dudes in combat or in training or being there, part of the group and paying the checks. I was cool. But then I started missing out on my kids' lives. And I realized that, dude, I didn't realize that until 2015 is where I found, I was like, all right, hold, pump the brakes. You know yep. what I mean? Like my kids deserve a father. My daughter was like, dad, I didn't know you're a funny guy. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Like, you don't even know me then. Cause I feel like I am more, I, I make fun of everything in life that happens to me more than I am serious about it. Cause I'm like, yeah, life, yeah. Life, you know, and that's how I, and so for my kids not to know who I am as a person was a heartbreaker for me, dude. And that's why I changed a lot of my life. That's why now 99% of everything I do is say no to work and yes to family. Always. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's fuck everybody. <clears throat> I don't dude, care it's... about drinking. I don't care about nothing else but like being there. Watch. Last night I was at my son's game and he fucking pitched his first game ever and I missed it because I was picking up my daughter. But I showed up and he goes, dad, two strikeouts, ball the game. Like, yeah. And I'm like, bro, this is like the best day of my life as a college yeah. pitcher watching my son have – he had his first – I don't know, man. It's a different world now, man. It is, and it's it's at a point now where, you know, I look at my life and I look at the things that I've done and I look at the places that I've been, and all I want – like all the good that has come from that is that I can come back here with information and share that with my kid, you know, because – for so long, I was chasing this, this carrot, you know, that's right yeah. here that is unattainable. It's never, I mean, even listen to me about the lifting. Like once you hit a lift, you go up five pounds. Like that's yeah. the next goal. That's the carrot. And then it was a financial carrot. Then it was yeah. how many clients can I attain carrot? And it was all of this stuff. And I'll tell you what, man, uh, I've told this story before, but it's, it's a very powerful story in my life. It was the day that, um, I'd been had like 10 surgeries at this point. My family was really just like, man, guy's got some problems. Like he can't give this up, you know, but I was so close to a 600 pound bench and I wanted to do that. So I was literally killing myself like just to get this done. <clears throat> so I run back, um, I bench it. I, I hit the bench, good lift. Uh, had some, had some really, you know, recognizable names that I looked up to that were announcing the event. So it was like this perfect moment kind yeah. of thing. So I'm on a high, you know, I'm calling my, I call my family and I call and talk to my son. I said, Hey, daddy bent 600 pounds. Uh, first time I've ever done it. I did it. And he was like, Oh, that's cool. Dad. I finished my Lego set. And I was talking to his mom, uh, who by the way is one of the, one of the greatest people in the world. His mom's amazing. And, um, we were talking and uh, I said, he didn't really seem that excited, you know, that I bent 600 pounds. She said, all your weights look big to him. You know, you were Superman the day he was born. You just had to show up. And when she said that, like, she wasn't being mean. She wasn't oh, calling yeah. me out. But it was like, man, I've wasted all this time trying to be a man mm -hmm. when being a man is being there for your kid, being there to do these yeah. things. And it was it was just like one of those moments where it just took the wind out of my sails. And, and, and not in a bad way. It just made me look at myself a lot differently. Like, how much more weight do I have to lift to feel accomplished. How much yeah. more do I have to do to really feel like, okay, my son is, when are you going to be satisfied? Right. Exactly. Well, and then, you know, at that time, I, I knew a lot of things about my son. I knew a lot of the, the shows that he watched. I knew the foods that he liked. I knew the, the things that he enjoyed to do, but I didn't enjoy him with him. You know, like when I would have him and we're watching TV. Okay. You watch that and I'm over here on my laptop or I'm over here on my phone or whatever. And that, and that's totally excusable sometimes. Right. But when I started putting the phone down, when I started sitting the laptop down and I started sitting with my arm around him watching the shows, or I started letting him help me cook dinner, or I started doing things with him that way, dude, it was just like, we went hyper speed into like closeness, Yeah. you know, things evolved in such a way that that became my new passion. That became the new thing for me to seek out was like, okay, he doesn't really like this. Maybe, maybe I can show him how I do it and we can like it together. Yeah. And there's been a lot of that because there's stuff that he does. Like um, he's into a lot of these erector sets and these kinetics yeah. and the Legos and stuff. And I was into it to make stuff to tear up. Like when I was a kid doing Legos, I just made it to like swing a baseball bat into them <laughs> and break them or something like that. 
but with him, it's just real methodical. He loves puzzles. He loves mathematics. He's got like, I'm looking right now, he's got six Rubik's cubes of different sizes and shapes right in front of me. So his brain's always working yeah. like mine is. I always feel like mine's going hundred miles an hour, but where I'm thinking about life's unknowns, he's thinking about problem solving. Like yeah. how can I fix this puzzle? How can I build this erector set? How can I solve this? So our, our brains are similar, but they're different. And dude, finding that wavelength where we jive is one of the best things in the world. And like, I got one of those Deemer boxes that we all carry around from Sornex and uh, it's like a, it's like a waterproof boom box and just giving him my phone, letting, letting him play his music that I cannot stand, but it's him, you know, like it, it makes his heart beat faster. Yeah. And I got to be excited about that, whether I love it or hate it. I got to love it because it's him, you know, yeah. and I'm learning to love it. And it's because we're sitting here dancing or we're sitting here talking or we're sitting here, whatever. And then I guess what I throw in a little Al Green or a little Otis Redding or a little <laughs> Tyler Childers. And he listens to that too. Like we were listening to, um, Oh, we got to try a little tenderness the other day. And I saw his head in the back, just bobbing a little bit, you know, and he's, Oh, it's just good, man. It's so good to, I, w I wish I could say this in, in this, just a message to anybody, no matter where your life is, <laughs> there's somebody that loves you and you got to invest in those people that love you when you don't love yourself, because I am not sitting here talking to you today. I, I talked about it on Instagram Four twelve of 2016 was the lowest day of my life. Okay. Yeah. I had a, I had a pistol in my mouth and I just sat there and I thought, man, what a waste, what a waste this would be. And it would be what a waste it would be if it ended right now. Yeah. So I, I promised myself, I'm going to give it all I got. So here we are three years later. And in three years from a point of like absolution where I couldn't even imagine tomorrow, I'm three years later, dude. And I'm smiling. I'm talking to you. I'm happy. Yeah. Like life is freaking awesome, man. And, um, I don't look at this. We're out picking wildflowers. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what happened five years ago. You yeah. know what I mean? But it was Easter and uh, we went, we just went through a field and picked some flowers and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Man. That's good, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Dude, you know, Rob Bailey was here and, and uh, I introduced him to my son, but I've been listening to uh, the, the beat. What is it? The beast song that they have. Yeah. 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 And, and I have the, I have the version where it's no, no cursing in it. Right. Right. So yep. me and the boys have been rocking that for years, dude. Yep. <laughs> and so my son's with me and Rob, I pick up Rob and we're talking and I was like, I put the song on and my son's <laughs> and, and, and I told, I saw my son, I was like, you know who this is? He's like, who? I was like, that's who sings this. And he's just like, Oh, it was like one of the coolest moments that, that me and, and then Rob was like, that's cool. You listen to it with your kids. I'm like, yeah, well, this is one of the songs before we went to like wrestling matches. We yeah, yeah. Do it. And it was a cool thing, man. It's just, I don't know. There's these things, little things like that, that I, I will always remember for the rest of my life because of the look on my kid's face of joy. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a beautiful motivator. And that's what's motivated me. And I, and I think that's a lot of what's motivating you to continue on with, with your little path and that you're taking as well, man. Absolutely, man. And you know, it, it affords me because Sornex, the company I work for, um, people ask me a lot of times what I do with them. You know, I was able to, to work with them in a, in a capacity where I get to continue my coaching, continue my public speaking, continue my, my networking capabilities under the umbrella that anything Sornex needs, I'm going to do it. Like if it's turning a wrench, Hell yeah, let's do it. If it's podcasting with people, if it is um, going out here and networking and finding people that I think fit the mold to be a Sornex guy to come to events and things like that, awesome. If it means I find somebody that's going to buy a, a weight room for their home or for their gym or whatever it is, that's fine too. Like I'm just out here doing the grunt work because yeah. Sornex, I tell people this all the time and I got to say it on here. Bert Soren, um, he is the president and, um, his dad is the founder. And if it wasn't for Bert Soren, I wouldn't be here. Um, around the worst of my times, I've been working with Sornex uh, just behind the scenes a little bit. And Bert was a guy, I don't even think he knew at the time that I was leaning on him so much, but I was just, I would just call and talk to him. And he was a dude that always answered my call. He was a guy that always replied to my text when I was coming from an area where a lot of my sponsors were like, Oh dude, through this injury, we'll do anything you need. They don't call me. They don't, they don't answer texts. But as soon as I would get strong again, I would get that call. But Bert was one of the few guys that was consistent. 
And that just drew me closer and closer to that Sornex community. Yeah. And then I started talking with guys like Rudy Reyes, Derek Woodski, Brady Cervantes. I mean, just the list goes on and on. But the, the paramount person in that conversation was a woman named Ingrid Markham. She was an Olympic athlete, um, or she's Olympic bobsledder, Olympic weightlifter. <clears throat> and I'd seen her a hundred times at Sornex, never really talked to her. She's a super at, um, kind of like one of these super educated uh, coaches, yeah. 15 name, letters behind her name kind of deal. And she was just intimidating because I was a guy that was under the bar. She was a guy that studied the bar or yeah. a person that studied the bar. And I just always thought she was going to expose how little I actually knew, <laughs> but, but I ended up talking to her at this event in Nashville and she just encouraged me to go closer to Sornex. She encouraged me to be closer with people that were going through struggle. And I started to find out all these athletes and all these guys from special forces, the majority of our life has been about the climb, right? We, we yeah. go up, we go higher, we push forward, we push more. Well, 85% of the deaths that occur on Everest are on the come down Yeah, because people push too high. You know, it's the story of Icarus, right? Yeah. We, we get these beautiful wings and we want to fly. God, that sun looks so good. And we just keep flying, keep flying. So we burn out and then we don't know what the fuck to do. We don't know how to get back down. And I think that was a lot of my story. And I started connecting that story to more people at Sornex and like, okay, their lives look pretty good. Well, then you find out they look good, but they're still putting the pieces back together. Yeah. And understanding that I'm not alone in this was such a huge thing for me. Sornex is such a pivotal component of my recovery as far as a human being. I got to give them props. And I know that like, I'm not trying to make this an advertisement. People ask me what Sornex is at face value. We're an exercise equipment company. We outfit the, you know, the Chicago bears, the Buffalo bills, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, the LA Lakers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, like we got that side covered. But the reason we have that covered is because we are a people community. Yeah. We absolutely look after, take care of people, bring them in, facilitate them to be better human beings. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to get you guys on the set of the Mayans because we, we, we work out. And we have this small little gym set up. And I'm I like, that guy. that's what I'm saying. I'm, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get them to work together and make it happen, man. Because we show up every day uh, and we work out together as a team. You know what I mean? Well, you know, the cool thing is, is we, we've got experience in that world. And I'm not trying to make this a sales call right now. But we, we are probably – our strongest point is understanding footprint. Yep. We understand that on a set, space is limited, space is valued. So if we could create something for – for you guys that makes sense that was compact enough to, to fit the space required, but also diverse enough to allow you to do anything you want to do. That's our vision for everybody. Yeah. Like we don't, we're not out here to sell you 50 racks. If you need 20, yeah. if we can make that 20 work like 50, that's our option. That's why we came up with that. Um, the jammer arm belt squat. Yeah. We, we sell a belt squat. We'll sell you belt squats all day long. But most coaches only can afford or can only afford the space of one or two of those. Yeah. Every coach that we sell to at the collegiate professional level has those jammer arms. Yeah. Well, now we can get two belt squatters per rack, right? So we can have 40 guys on 20 racks squatting at the same time, whereas, okay, I just sold you two belt squats. You got two guys going at a time. <laughs> so even if it means cutting off our nose to spite our face, yeah. to, to better the customer, we're going to do that. Yeah. You know, we're talking about a $3,000 belt squat versus a two ninety five attachment for something you already own. Yeah. Right. So yeah, definitely. Like that's something that we could, uh, I would be excited. Not, not to say, Oh, we were on the Mayans. I mean, we, we do some really cool stuff, but because I know you now, like yeah. I would love to help you out. So that's what we're all about is just this innovation and, and creation and production and stuff. It's just, it's a really exciting part of me when I find these moments where somebody I can facilitate a need because that's all I want to do. I just want to help people. I just yeah. want to make people better. I don't get paid on sales. I don't get paid on anything. I just, I do my job and they take care of the rest. So <laughs> I'm enjoying life, man. It's good, it's man. Great place. Dude, and, and, and just from outside looking at you, you're looking good, dude. Like I see my, it looks good. I'm like jealous as fuck. I'm going to get there, bro. I'm gonna, I got to get my shoulders a little bit bigger on this call. I'm looking at the video. I'm like, all right, I need work on here. <laughs> But hey, man, we're coming up on the hour. I'm gonna keep you accountable. I got, yeah, I got your cell phone. I'm gonna keep you accountable every day. I'm gonna ask you what you did. I'm gonna get on it. I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna get on it. But uh, <laughs> once you let some of the listeners know where they can find you, man, so they can check you out if they don't. All right. So my primary um, everything that I have is uh, Brandon Lily three or some 
variation of that. I think it's Lily Brandon three on Twitter. I'm not really active on Twitter. I, I got an account when everybody said to get an account. Um, Facebook is Brandon Lily. My sports page is Brandon Lily Powerlifter. Um, but primarily, just to be just to be real, I got a YouTube channel. I haven't done anything with it in a while, just because. It, it became like a rat race trying to post yeah. things and Instagram seems to I have a really good feedback there. I get a lot of good communication with people. Um, I don't know why I don't, I get more direct messages. I think cause a lot of the stuff that I talk about is kind of heavy laden. It's, you know, it's more personal. Yeah. So I don't get a lot of comments um, on some of the deeper stuff. I, I get plenty of comments, but a lot of my conversation happens in the DMS and then that can progress to emails. And then that, that sometimes even progresses towards um, becoming a client because five years ago, if you looked at all my clients, it was very much like, okay, we'll, we'll get you stronger. I don't care about your personal life. I don't care about how bad this sucks. You got stronger. Shut the hell up. Now it's like, okay, we might not get stronger in this stage of your life, but we're going to get better as a human. We're going to talk about books. We're going to talk about a movie that you saw and you loved and, I'm going to give them articles because I live by three tenants. I think about five of the smallest things that I can be thankful for the day before. Like I'm not, I'm not thankful that I got a roof over my head. I'm not thankful. I mean, I am, but those are easy, right? Like I try to think about the person that held a door for me, or I try to think about the person that just nodded their head walking down the street because they don't have to acknowledge me in Atlanta. Like I'm in a big city. You can just put those, those blinders on and just walk straight forward and somebody look at you and say, how you doing, man? Like to me, those are small things of gratitude. The next thing is I want to be better than I was yesterday. If that's learning a new song on guitar, if that's listening to a podcast, if that's reading an article, if it's just sitting still with my phone off for an hour, I got better. And then the other thing is to help a complete stranger. That can be as simple as, like I said, holding a door, speaking to somebody. Dude, one of my softest spots in the world is for homeless people because I I won't classify myself as a street dweller, but in the pursuit of powerlifting, so many times I've slept in my truck. I've slept in the bed of my truck um, just because I didn't have money for other things. When I was trying to make a name for myself doing seminars, I didn't really have money to get to the seminar. So I would be sleeping in my truck, taking a shower at the gym before the seminar, doing the seminar and having enough money to get back home. Like there are many, 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 many nights that were like that. Um, just trying to be, become somebody, become somebody that if you could hear my story, it might be good enough to come back and listen again. You know what I mean? So I have a real soft spot for homeless people. And dude, you give some of those people uh, bottled water, you go in and buy them a slice. Uh, we got a place in Lexington called LA gourmet. They, get, they sell pizza by the slice. Dude, a whole pizza is 10 bucks. There's five, six people always sitting outside there. You walk around that corner with a pizza and say, here guys, just want you to share this equal, you know, like what the fuck, man, what's 10 bucks for, for people. Yeah, that are out no, there? Exactly. Like, I don't care what their problem is. I don't care if they're a drug addict. I don't care if they're an alcoholic, they're a human being. And I've been so fortunate in places where when I was at rock bottom, I don't think I've ever told this story. I'll tell you, I don't think I've ever told this story, but I was so lonely at points in my life. Um, I would, I would find homeless people or I would find working girls and I would go and say, just go to waffle house with me. I'll buy you a meal. Just talk. So I would take these people in and I think it was a selfish endeavor at first. I think I wanted to hear people's lives that were worse than mine to make me feel better. Like that's, I, I think I've identified that's what it was, but what it actually made me see is like, man, any one of us can get a phone call that would devastate us. Any one of us can not be able to pay a bill. You know, any one of us can be in this same situation because more often than not, yeah, I sat down with some schizophrenics. I sat down with some people that were just shitty people. But at the end of the day, the majority of them, the vast majority of them were just people that got lost. Yeah. People that, that couldn't find their way. And I am so thankful that there was a Bert Soren that saw me before I got that far, you know, that saw me before yeah. there was no tomorrows and believed in me and gave me that. So I, I just got this tattoo and it's a circle within a triangle. And the reason I have that is because life is circular. No matter how high you are, you're going to fall. No matter how low you get, you're going to rise. But people try to angle you in and look at you from all these angle points to try to define who you are. They don't know who I was yesterday. They don't know who I am tomorrow. They just know me today. And if you kick me when I'm down today, you're never going to see the good of tomorrow. So I would rather try to give these people some hope. And some. And it's not all the time, but dude, yeah. if, I got, if I got 10 bucks in my pocket – 
if I can make somebody's day better, if I can give them a little bit of hope that humanity isn't all bad, we're both winners walking away from that. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, that's just how I try to live my life, man. If I can make anybody's day better, that's one day better than they had, you know? Yeah. So. No, I love it, man. I, it's been awesome to watch you. It's been, it's been awesome to, to become friends. Yeah, and, dude. And hopefully, you know, we get to grow this relationship more. And I'd love to be able to uh, have a gym session with you. And, yeah. and just because I respect the gym so much and, and, and I love it. I do. It's a big part of my life. And, and it's just cool to be around people who have been so accomplished, but also where you're at now in life is super dope to watch. So I appreciate you even taking the time to be on my podcast. Oh, dude, we're going to do this again this week. <laughs> yeah, we are. And next, and this, and what, in a couple of days, I'll be jumping on Sornex, right? Yeah, you'll be flip-flopping with me. There it is. You'll get a picture of us here podcasting. Yeah. Got it. All right. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you, man. I really do. I appreciate you too. Man. I did it.